Watching at home, DCK Productions proudly brings to you the greatest podcast in the world. Oh, the greatest podcast in the world? Suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. I appreciate it if you both suck it. Suck it. We really should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. And welcome, everybody. Two, suck it! I am the great and powerful King of Kings, Prince of all that is awesome, Derek. How is everybody tonight on this Wednesday hump day, the day after that fucking abysmal performance by both candidates yesterday? We're not going to talk about it, but I just felt like, you know, mentioning that, that I thought it was just horrible across the board, but... That's my opinion. But I'm not going to talk about it tonight. I promised I wouldn't. We talked uh, When I was talking to Aaron Sanchez last night from ABC News, we talked enough about politics this week. I'm not doing it until, like, I don't know, maybe another week or two. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. But, so tonight, we're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh a little, talk some tech, talk some business, talk some, you know, my favorite subject, retail. We're going to talk a little bit about everything today. Because... My guest today is a former finance guy and now the CEO of Luxie Beauty, an all-vegan alternative makeup brush line. Um, really, really cool stuff. But, you know, he's not just a makeup guy. He's a little bit of everything. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking tonight. So without any further ado, please welcome to the show Mr. Connor Riley. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Can you hear me okay? We're good? Yeah, we're fine. We're good. Awesome. Awesome. So how's everything with you, man? Well, I'm trying to grow out my uh, Derek beard. It's uh, it's not quite coming in as uh, fabulous as yours, but it's, it's, uh, it's on the way there. The hardest part was getting the gray highlights on the uh, on the chinny chin chin there. But uh, The gray highlights are just like the epitome of like hipster douchebag dad you know what i'm saying it's just like that's where it needs to be yeah that's what i was going for that kind of exactly yeah no exactly. yeah that's what i that's what i sport i i'm proudly you know a supporter of the the gray beard highlights you know let's do it exactly exactly i'm i'm one pumpkin spice latte away from just going like full-on douchebag mode but uh, see i don't do the pumpkin spice latte but i do do this great the gray sweatpants this time of year there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep it casual. Keep it comfortable. 
That's what it's all about. I mean, I'm I'm in Virginia. It's you know, it's 50 degrees out right right now. I gotta you know, I don't want to be wearing jeans. I want to be comfortable. 50 degrees. It's so beautiful. That's not well. I'm in California, so it's uh, the weather today was smoke. So weather tomorrow will be more smoke. More smoke. Yeah. About uh, 88 degrees. At least in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I find, you know, fantastic about my job. You know, I sit over here on the East Coast, right outside of DC, and yeah, I have that shit to deal with. But you know, every, everybody, about ninety percent of the people I talk to, you know, celebrities, business people, whatever, all come out of the this one little area <laughs> of California, and they all say the same thing: it's it's hot, it's smoky. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm I'm reveling in the fact that I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I dealt with it for 25 years when I lived in Florida, and I don't want any part of it anymore. Oh, that's brutal. But Virginia, you have all the all the, like the crazy circadias and insects and and, and hurricanes, right? I mean, it's. I it's, mean, we get a we get the occasional know. hurricane, um, but where I live at, it's like right in the middle of a mountain valley, oh, so nice. the the mountain eats it up. So we get a, a shit ton of rain, but we don't get a lot of wind or anything like that, unless it comes up the other way. But but then by the time it comes up the other way. You know, gets like you know, go through Tennessee and Georgia, and you know, around us. Then it's you know, tropical depression again, more rain. So I mean, we don't get much of that, thankfully, but we just got a lot of rain. Wow, that's yeah. well, rain is sort of one of those mysterious phenomenons that, that that people talk about out here in California, but you never actually see. So we're uh, we're hoping we might get some this winter. I don't know. <laughs> At this point, it's a mythological creature that you can only you know think about and, and read about in books. Exactly. It's like rain and unicorns. They're just things you tell the children to keep them happy at night. <laughs> yeah, but you know, then you drive a few hours north and get the big bear, then there's snow everywhere, and it's like the complete polar opposite of everything in L.A. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, L.A., I think, so, so in San Francisco Bay Area, we're like a, a toned-down version of L.A. We got the Correct. Feed. Water's cold, but okay. You got the mountains. Snow's nice. It's not too crazy ever and then uh, there's a whole lot of nothing in between but la is just that that sort of cranked up version where the beach is a whole thing the mountains are a whole thing and uh and i don't know it's uh it's a, it's a different ecosystem yeah i got friends in la palm springs and it's just like 110 degree weather it's like nope you all can keep that <laughs> I, I like to go into a sauna you know willfully i don't like having a sauna forced upon me by uh <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. I feel you on that. So, um, other than that, how's everything else going for you, man? I mean, you got some good stuff going on. Um, Luxie is taking off. Um, so, how's everything going on your end? Yeah, well, Luxie's huge. We've got, you know, so many interesting things going on there. We've got the, obviously, how do you grow a business during the, the, the corona times and the whole COVID situation, which is just out of control. We've got working with influencers in this new marketplace because everyone's moving out of retail and into digital commerce. They have to deal with all the wacky influencer stuff and uh, Instagram folks and YouTube folks and TikTokers and all that. Um, Then we have, you know, how do we support our, our Instagram or our, our own customers, our own community. That's, that's a a, a pretty critical thing that we're working on. And then, uh, yeah, I think lastly, it's like, well, what are we doing to uh, to leverage our platform and kind of speak out against some of the stuff that we see going on that we're not fans of, so it's it's been a pretty busy time for us. Yeah, I mean, especially during this digital, you know, the digital age, but then you know, the digital age mixed with 
you know, the coronavirus and, you know, everyone being at home, now everyone thinks they're an influencer. Um, Now everyone wants to try to make that business happen. And, you know, not everybody has that capability. You know, not everybody knows that, yeah, you can, you can plug a product all day long, but is that hashtag right? Did you make a, did you do, do a post with multiple pictures or just one? Did you post a video? Was it an Instagram, you know, you know, over a, a minute long where you can post a link inside? There's a lot of different things that a lot of people just don't realize it. And it, and it's so critical to understand that aspect of things. Yeah. Well, and, and even the, the biggest influencers themselves don't necessarily understand how the market shifted because everybody is sitting at home. Everybody's just devouring content. So the content output that used to keep you relevant, you know, pre COVID now is kind of going by the wayside as people just want to churn through stuff. Plus like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an interesting industry because beauty is constantly innovating, but depending on the creators that you follow and whatnot, it can become sort of feeling redundant. And then now everybody's wearing these uh, big old masks that cover their face. So that's, that's changed how looks have, have evolved. That's changed where people are putting their attention. So it's been like a kind of an interesting, an interesting ride because, you know, we find that we have to be kind of like the referee in all of this. So we have to go to the people that might be, like you mentioned, trying to start out on their own, trying to sort of assume the role of an influencer. And, you know, who knows, maybe it's just their sort of COVID hobby to, you know, get the, get the, get the, get the phone out and and start recording. But like, we want to support them. We want them to innovate. We want them to have, have, uh, have the ability to share some content with us, use their content, pick their brain to find what's cool, include them in our community. And then at the same time, we need to, we need to, go to the to the to the bigger more established influencers and help them try to try to give them some tips and tricks try to make some suggestions to to get them you know cooking up some relevant products or relevant content that we think is interesting and and that's how we do it we we do it with products so so we're always innovating we're always coming out with specials we're always trying to figure out ways to reduce our you know our, our packaging or, or increase, a, a you know, increase certain designs that, that can be used for, for eye looks, for face looks, for whatever people are into. So it's, um, it's interesting navigating the, the influencer world because you're like, on the one hand, you want to, as a brand, you want to kind of give as much creative control to all these different groups. And, and now there's so many, everyone's on Zoom every day. Like I can't imagine a time when more people have been on camera as just part of like their regular life. And now I was, I was trying to renew a phone bill. The guy put me on Zoom. I'm like, yo, this is this is just office like supply stuff. I don't have to be camera ready for this. But that's the level of frequency that people are, are finding themselves exposed to the camera, which has been interesting because it's brought in, it, it, it's sort of given people that reality check where now they're like, okay, what can I do to improve my beauty routine? What can I do to improve my skincare routine? Let me, let me go that extra mile and, and maybe, maybe do a few things to, to make myself feel better in the morning. You know, the, 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 perfect, the perfect thing with your cup of coffee is, 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 is looking at makeup and that's a great way to start your day. So it's been, it's been interesting as more and more kind of components are, are kind of coming to the forefront and finding themselves in this marketing place. And that's what we have to sort out and guide and direct. So it's kind of been a handful. 
Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a retail guru. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I spent nearly 20 years, you know, managing retail establishments um, and have seen innovation after innovation after innovation and after innovation. And I learned two things in that 20 years. Number one, I hate retail. <laughs> and number two, it's, it's going to, you know, what is popular today is not going to be popular tomorrow. Yeah. You know, with the invention of Amazon and, you know, Amazon Prime and now Walmart coming out with their own, you know, version of Amazon Prime and, you know, delivery from, you know, Target to your house or, you know, Albertsons or, you know, Safeway or whatever to your house, you know, is innovating beyond everything we've ever dealt with before. You know, right. last year... Um, online retail, and that included grocery and retail, um, of non, excuse me, of non Amazon. So everybody that was big box was nearly 10% of all retail sales, everything that was on online. So that would either be pick up today or, um, you know, shopping online. Then you just gotta go up and pick it up or whatever the case might be it was 10% of the sales for big box. Now. It's nearly in nine months, it's doubled to 20%. Wow. And that number is going to get even more and more you know, staggering. Walmart's in, you know, out there right now testing a, pro, um, a robot that actually picks groceries off the shelf and delivers it to their car. There's so much innovation right now. So with that being said, how are you guys going to make sure that you guys stay up with the times? Well, apparently we got to start designing some robots. I mean, I think correctly you know, <laughs> we gotta we gotta get those uh, those robots in in store. But you know, it's it, it's really it's really interesting. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like retail is always changing, and uh, I I think that what we have to do is continually innovate and and drive our product forward. We have to look at things that are in the market, and 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 kind of take our own our own sort of. You know, just figure out what we can do, what makes sense for us. So, like an example of that, and where we're looking at potentially disrupting an industry is, you know, the the, the cotton uh, ear cleaners. Uh, yes, I think you know, Q-tip is, a, is. I think that's the brand name. I, I don't know if that's yeah, really, you know, what what it is. Anyway, the the whole idea is like you think about how many people are are using those Q-tips every single day, and and just throwing that away. And how, how that, that, that just fills up. I mean, all the millions of people in the world doing that. So we were thinking, well, what would be fantastic is having a brush that's a dual-ended brush that allows you to clean the outside and inside of your ear and totally disrupt an industry. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. We're reviewing it with doctors and people that are talking about, you know, what can you stick in your ear or not? Because obviously we want to create a safe product. But, like, that's the kind of innovation that we're looking at every day because we really – I'm moving around here. Sorry, my back is about to go out, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's it, it's like that's that's the kind of stuff though that you have to look at to, to figure out. And I think we take a, a pretty um, a pretty comprehensive approach. So we've got skincare brushes, we've got spa brushes, we've got 
all of these things that we've developed that we haven't put to market yet, we're looking at incorporating other products that are sort of related to brushes that we've developed an expertise in because we're like applicator masters, like tinted moisturizer and, and, and other things that you would, you would apply with a brush. And that kind of keeps the innovation moving forward. And it's, uh, it's a grind. It's a grind. So why do you hate retail? Let's dive into that for a You're working in retail for 20 plus years and you come away with it and you're just like, ah, oh, I hate it. What happened? Well, I, I do have a love for it still. I mean, but I have a love-hate relationship with it. Okay. Um, you know, as... You know, someone who's an you know who is an influencer because I mean I actually am, <laughs> um, and someone who you know has, still has to deal with the retail industry on a daily basis for sponsors and products that I promote, whatever else the case might be. Um, I still have this love of it because I love, you know, the whole concept of you know building something and then watching it fly off the shelf, or you know putting an ad out for something and then watching it be sold out, or whatever the case might be, but the politics behind it and i'm talking about the actual inside the store the the big box ah, yes okay. if i owned my own company it'd be completely different but the actual big box mentality you know yeah. whether it be the grocery store i just left last year or before that the world's largest retailer i'm not going to say the name but everybody knows who that is um you know after leaving them for you know nearly 13 years of being a store manager for that company you know it was a constant grind, you know, you know, that company or every other company can say, we care about family. We care about this. We care about that, but it doesn't seem like they do. And it's all about the dollar. It's all about whatever they think is best. Not what you think is best. They don't care about, you know, they want to say, oh, they're store of the communities and, you know, fill your, your shelves and fill your end caps with products that you know is going to sell inside your, you know, your community. But then they come in and say, oh, that's, that's stupid. Don't put that there. Oh, that's stupid. Don't put that. Well, I know my customer. I don't care if you know your customer. I don't like that. And it's just like, well, if, what the hell's the point of me even being here? If you're going to constantly come into my store being a, as a district manager and then tell me what to do, why am I the store manager? Why are you paying me $120,000 a year to run a store that you're just going to come in and completely disrupt every time? And that's what made me hate the business because I, it wasn't about it wasn't about the community anymore. It was all about the bottom line. Yeah, I, I think we we see that struggle play out more like as bystanders to it because, you know, our, our big thing and you, you know this is you have a brand that has a product and then they they roll it out in your store. And, and the first thing that they're going to ask is merchandise. How are you going to merchandise it? How are you going to make it look appealing to the people that are coming in the store? So we might work that out with the buyer at the corporate level. Corporate level. By yeah. the time that gets trickled down through to the regional people, it's like this wild game of telephone and it rarely looks like what we discussed. Exactly. Now, the people on the front lines on the front facing that are that are working directly with the consumers those are like we almost consider those like our brand ambassadors because there's such a key those are the key people those are the people that are actually gonna have that interaction so we find ourselves sort of trying to deal with it's sort of like an inverted camel with like this this dip in the middle where we're like okay the buyers at corporate love this they have a great idea the people that are that are that are working with our product and store are, are are loving this, but it seems like sometimes there's this gap in the middle. And we we actually went into a store, a smaller uh, regional chain store in the Midwest, and they really didn't support our product. 
we offered to go out, educate the, the troops on the ground and, you know, give them gifts, give them product. We, you know, within the beauty space, it's such an, uh, such an intimate thing that you're like, look, let's give you, let's give you products. And then you can say, I like this makeup brush. Why do you like it? Because I use it every day. That's so powerful. But they were like, eh, eh, you know, the hemming and hawing. We never got in front of the people on the ground. And, uh, and then they, they never were able to execute against their plan. And we, you know, no, no hard feelings there. I mean, we'd, we'd be happy to, to take another whack at it with them, putting more, uh, maybe more, some more resources in that education part. But it, it really was like, man, how do you have people on the, on the ground floor that are ready to, to move on this on the top floor ready to move on this? And, and it kind of all gets lost in the middle. And I think that's the politics, you know, somebody in middle management saying, well, you know, I think this merchandising space is too big and we should move this here. And then this is part of this plan. I, I mean, I, I don't know what goes in. That's like behind the curtain. kind of thing. And that's the thing, you know, you know, speaking from experience, you know, at, you know, the last company I was with, um, you know, all these, you know, planograms and, you know, weekly, you know, planners for the end caps, whatever would come down and, the corporate would say, you know, you have to do this. And then the, our regional manager comes in and says, oh, you know what? That's stupid. We're not doing that. Um, and then you got somebody walking in the next day from corporate. Why isn't this done? Oh, well, you know, my boss told me not to do that. Oh, well, you know, well, I'll, I'll talk to her, but go ahead and get this done. And then she comes in without having that conversation. Why isn't this done? I told you not to do that. And it's just the, it's just this constant thing. You know, at the last company I had, you know, there was um, – you know, they sent out wine planograms every month. And the way the corporate build them was a certain way. But our regional manager was like, I don't like the way those are built. They just don't look good to me. So nobody ever follow corporate when it comes to the wine. We're going to handle wine here regionally. So I don't care what they say. And, it, and it's the most oxymoronic crap I've ever heard in my life. And that's what happened literally Everywhere from where I was just at before to, you know, the world's largest retailer. And, wow. and that's the thing because there, there's people in all these different hands, whether it's in Cincinnati, you know, at the second largest retailer company or in, you know, Bentonville, Arkansas at the world's largest, making these things and then going down to the, you know, the regional or the district level and just be like, yeah, we're not doing that. But we want you to believe that we're going to – we want the corporate to believe that we're going to do that. So shh, don't say anything. Right. That's not. Have you ever been to Bentonville? I have. It is a crazy place. Mm -hmm. Crazy place. So, for people that can we can we name names here? That, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Walmart located in Bentonville, as well as uh, JB Hunt, the logistics provider, as well as Tyson Chicken, and it's it's kind of a crazy place because it's the center for. So many core industries that still happen to be family owned. Yep. And the the town square of Bentonville is basically one giant Walmart. And that sounds crazy, but it's actually has the original five and dime, Sam Walton's five and dime with his pickup truck parked in front. It's right out of um, uh, what's that? You know, they're fishing, walking down the street right out of uh, the, the uh, it's right out of a show from the 50s. The, oh, oh, um, you mean uh, like Andy Griffith or yeah, Leave It to right Beaver? Yeah, yeah. You expect to see, you know, that that kind of hometown thing. Now, the reality is that if you didn't know that Walmart was based there, you never really would, because from the town square, 
you just see this five and dime. You see a brand new hotel. You see all this other stuff. There's a, a Chinese food restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, a couple different things. Seems like it's got sort of that hometown variety. You go in there. Now, here's the thing about Walmart employees. They never can take their badge off when they're working. So you go into like a Mexican restaurant and grab a meal. I was blown away. I'm, I'm ordering food at this restaurant that I thought was kind of this hoity-toity Mexican place. And then I see the little Walmart thing swing out from the guy's vest. And it's like, oh, my God, are we in a Walmart right now? Like, what is going on? The other thing I heard, and I have no idea if this is true or not, so this is just maybe just made up, but I think it's for realsies. They record everything in all the open spaces because the whole town is where everybody that comes to sell stuff in a Walmart goes so that they can pitch corporate. And so they record in all the common areas. So if they're talking about pricing or whatever, that'll get communicated to your buyer before you cut a deal. I've, I've heard stories where people will, will, will sell something, shake hands, leave, and then make that comment of like, oh, well, did you hear that you can get, you know, we would have gone two cents lower or whatever. And then they, you know, and then they get that email like, hey, we've uh, revised the price. But I've heard that. I don't know if it's true either, but I have heard that. Because Walmart owns that town. Yeah, whole thing. Just like Kroger owns Cincinnati. No way. Is that true? Oh, my God. Yeah, because Kroger's the second largest com- um, retailer in the world. No way. Kroger? Yeah. Kroger. Huh. Be- because not the actual brand of Kroger, but the Kroger corporate. Because Kroger corporate owns like 50 different retailers that wow. just operate under their old banner. So what they'll do is they'll buy up regional chains yeah let them run you know continue to run the way they want to run yeah with their name but now they're just owned by you know kroger with their their kroger uh, checks wow um like ralph's yeah ralph's is owned by kroger that's interesting yep that's really interesting wow yeah yeah there's a lot of things that you would never think that was owned by a kroger that is yeah i believe it i mean it's it's interesting when you start looking at the complexities of, of these retail mods. I mean, so, I mean, the, the Kroger's and the Walmart's of the world, and and I, I assume the other big boxes. I mean, they're doing pretty good. Like, I, I think that they're doing pretty well. They've been able to stay open during the coronavirus. But in in our side of retail, we're dealing with a lot of like the Neiman Marcuses, the Macy's, the Nordstrom. You really see some differences. You know, like. Um, some of these, so you've seen a lot of restructuring. I mean, Kenneth Cole uh, went bankrupt. Neiman Marcus went bankrupt. Um, uh, Bergdorf's went bankrupt. And and for us, it's like, oh my gosh, this is these are these are people that we're working with intimately, and and to see this disruption and just the downsizing. Some of these stores have had eighty five percent downsizing, just or furloughs or whatever you want to call it, to to contend and, and stay open. And now we're hearing that a lot of doors are going to be shuttered and they may not even reopen. And that's that's kind of scary, you know, when you think about it. Like, I think for brands, and, and, and I know that this might sound kind of dated. I'm actually wondering what your opinion is. But, like, retail is such a great place for your products to be discovered. It really is. I mean, especially in, you know, shippers and stuff like that. Yep. When You know, if you have a good, you know, manager at a good box store, doesn't matter if it's big box, little box, whatever, and they're smart and they know that, hey, I'm going to put this shipper here because it makes sense to go with this product, you know, yep. and it can, there's so many other different things to, you know, do, you know, 
if you don't have, like, for example, say for instance, I got a shipper of, you know, of your product and, you know, of just brushes and makeup brushes. Okay. Well, I don't have any room on my makeup wall because, you know, I don't have an end cap. I don't have a wing or anything like that. I can put it next to. I'm not going to just going to put it in the middle of the aisle. Right. Okay. So, boy, wait a second. Over here next to the makeup remover, next yeah. to the makeup pads, I do have this end cap. Oh, might as well just go ahead and put that there, which is adjacent to the makeup. But at the same time, it's like, what, where else could I put it? And, you know, or, you know, another thing would be like, um, you know, if you got a shipper or of like Pedialyte, for example, yeah. don't put it on the baby aisle. Go put it right. by the wine section. Yeah. <laughs> put it yeah. by wine or beer. You know, there's yeah. there's there's lots of different things that, you know, a lot of people just don't realize. And if you're putting it in places where you're, it matches, it's going to yeah. it, it'll blow out. Now what? Okay, so here's a question that people always ask me in retail, and I don't really know it, so I have to just sort of mumble under my breath. But there's always, particularly with food, there's always like slotting fees and other kind of marketing fees associated with where you're placed in the store. And a lot of brands that get these deals to be in these stores, first of all, they're over the moon until they see what those slotting fees are. So like, what what? Like, I mean, you're paying for placement. How worthwhile is that? And are there ways around that? Um, is there ways around it? Yeah. Um, but it, re it involves a lot of guarantees. So, like, one of the things that um, uh, I know Walmart and I know a few other uh, places do is paper scan. So, you know, you will put, send a product in, they'll place it, and you only get paid, they only get paid if it moves. And then that's kind of a way to, you know, um, take the the idea off of them, you know, kind of make, you know, yeah. make it to where, again, if only sells, you know, and they need to sell it because otherwise you're taking it back. It's a guaranteed sale. Yeah. That's when, that's when those kind of things can happen. Um, but at the same time, if, say for instance, you know, you went to Kroger and said, hey, you know, I'm with General Mills. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and pay you $50,000 for 500 end caps for the next year. Yeah. Over the course of the year, that, that really comes down. But then at the same time, then you got to send the product into the shelves and so on and so forth. And then that's kind of where the markup comes into play because right. that's why, you know, we're selling it for $4.99. We're buying it in at $3.99. So. Yeah. So they're making back their money, you know, and now they have guaranteed placement and now we have to buy more because we're going to put it on sale and probably make pennies on the dollar now yeah. and so on and so forth. So does it work out for everybody? Yeah, because in the end, they make back their money. We may, Even though we're making pennies on the dollar, we still got paid $50,000 for 500 end caps and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, I, you know, it's, it's retail, too. I mean. People talk about retail like it's one thing. It's it's really so different. I mean, food and beverage, fashion, um, beauty, makeup tools. I mean, we're sort of we're lucky in a way because we're in our own category. So we don't have to worry about spoilage. We don't have to worry about sizes. We don't have to worry about a lot of these different things. Our uh, our, our brushes are obviously not uh, temperature dependent. So as long as we keep it kind of in our in our uh, I mean, we do keep it in a in a temperature controlled facility for storage reasons, but that's more for the people that are fulfilling and and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it's really it, it makes it I think a little bit more a little easier path 
than some of these other groups that are like, I can't imagine what it would be like to sell food. Like imagine if you were trying to sell something that goes bad in nine months or six months and just having to crank through that inventory. It's it's bad. I mean, it it, it gets yeah. crazy. I mean, especially when the buyer goes on a, a buying spree and thinks it's this next, you know, this is the next fucking sliced bread, and we're gonna send everybody a hundred fucking cases of it, and they can't even sell one. And yeah. and then you try to send it back to corporate saying this didn't sell. It doesn't matter. It's in your building. You own it. Figure it's it out. It. <laughs> so what's what's like. Are you, are you into trying new products? Like, have you tried a bunch of different food products or beverage products, or like what what part of retail is really your expertise that you that you play around? The with? sales side. So, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I'm the sales and finance guy, okay. um, as far as that goes, which is completely, you know, not in the, even the realm of what I do anymore. Well, I, mean, I do sell, you know, because obviously I you know I do influence and I do you know products and obviously ads and stuff like that for the show yeah. um and on my instagram um but the, the sales and the finance you know for example the last store that i took over before i left the company i was there for almost two years and when i got there that store was probably i think it was it turned a reverse profit of about a hundred thousand dollars so negative a hundred thousand dollars it lost money that year but I, I, the, that terminology reverse profit yeah, I have not heard that. I love that. Reverse profit. Yes. So it lost money that year. Um, but then I turned it around and made nearly a half million in profit the following year. Um, then on top of that, you know, it was, you know, bad on auditing and bad on, you know, wages and all this other stuff. And I turned all that around. And I mean, that's just my thing. I, I can sit there and look at a computer screen all day long. Um, you know, then print out my sales and I can actually walk my sales per category, per department, and actually see why I had certain amount of sales that were up or down versus the previous day, but based on how many outs I had, based on how full or empty an end cap is, you know, whatever the case, well, how much is in my back room versus how much is on the floor, um, so on and so forth. I can, I can figure that out just by looking at numbers and I can literally, without even walking the store, tell you exactly what's wrong in your department and then say when they say prove it you haven't even looked at my department yet go walk and say that 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 and they're like damn and it was it was second nature to me yeah i i think that's such a cool thing about finance and about you know for people that are talking about getting into business or or how to get how to get ahead or or even just kind of how to fine-tune their spidey sense into into really understanding the dynamics in any given business i think finance is such a great place to start because you know coming from finance myself it certainly helped me on the deal side but it's also helped me understand the importance of it and and i think one of the one of the biggest reasons why we've been able to sort of springboard luxy into this growth phase is because we really focus on finance and controls so everything is just down to the last penny. And that's, you know, I, I was actually kind of resistant to it at first because there's sort of this dr draconian feel of like, oh my gosh, everything is being counted. But you realize everything is being counted anyway. And the more clarity you have on what's moving and why, the better off you are. And so that's that's really amazing. So. I don't, I don't know. Would you give that advice? Do you think people need to sort of, because no one, I feel like no one understands finance. I, I, I agree with you on that. However, 
when it comes to the retail world, um, get your study retail finance because there's a big difference between being an accountant financing, yeah, being in you know banking financing, and being in retail fi uh, financing and, and yeah. money. So the only way that you can really learn retail math and that's an actual term yeah. is by being in the retail world. If you yeah. say, if you want to graduate high school and say, you know, I, I legitimately love working retail, do not go to college, get your ass in a Walmart, get your ass in a target or not target because target requires a degree, which I think is the dumbest thing ever. But anyway, besides really? the point, really? huh. Oh my God. Yes. They will not even consider you for any, not even an hourly level management position without a college degree. That's interesting. It's insane is what it is. Wow. Especially for someone like me who's ran $100 million Walmarts to where they won't even give me an interview. That's now, granted, I don't, I don't want an interview, but they wouldn't even yeah. give me the time of day. Wow. Well, and Target's interesting because they've just massively pivoted around um, you know, they used to, they used to rotate people through all their departments. And so yep. no one had any departmental expertise, which didn't matter so much, but when they brought in beauty, that was the big bone to pick because you have a guy that was selling tires in the auto parts section. who's now trying to sell, you know, uh, L'Oreal and, 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 and beauty is such a specialized skill. So I, I'm surprised that they wouldn't change their hiring practices to kind of bring people that are more specialized. And, you know, it, it, it just boggles my mind, especially when I walk through a Target and I, and my retail, my spidey sense kicks in and be like, why would they do this? What, what is the meaning behind this? This is stupid. Why would they put that there? Why did they buy it? You know, I just, I question it all the time, so, but it's like, so basically it, it, it's pretty much impossible for you to have an enjoyable shopping experience. It, it, it really is. I need to talk to the store manager. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been out of the business now. For a while, for a, you know, for a you know, a little over a year. Um, it was August of last year, um, and I, I've been focusing solely on this and comedy for the last year. And wow. you know, it, it works for me, and it's you know, completely turned my life around. And I, I love doing what I do now, and I love you know, getting a so new sponsor or whatever the case might be. So you were moved. You were. I mean, what were you doing, like open mics and stuff, and, and moving along in the in the regional scene? Or, I mean, what what what's the comedy journey? All right, so my story is actually a lot different from a lot of other people's. Okay. So, twenty two years ago, I started in entertainment by um, being a musician and a, a touring guitarist, a session guitarist, and stuff like that. Wow. And I spent about four or five years doing that, as well as working you know, regular jobs because this wasn't paying the bills. Right. Um, but after a few years, you know, I realized that it was it, the scene. In, I was in Orlando at the time, like I said earlier, and the scene just kind of sucked. So that I, had two, I had two childhood dreams as a kid. One was to be a musician. The other one was to be a professional wrestler. Whoa. So, you know, I was always a martial artist. I was always, I was a wrestler in high school. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go pursue this other dream because I think I have a real shot at doing this. So I ended up wrestling for 12 years after that. Um, all throughout the Southeast, I even did a couple things with a couple bigger companies and stuff like that. Um, and then I broke my neck in 2013. Wow. And uh, in a car accident, believe it or not. And I came back and I wrestled a couple times. 
Um, and uh, my wife was like, you know, I, I can't, I can't watch you do this. You need to stop. My doctor said I was completely fine, but my wife was like, it's too much of a risk. So that's fine. So I stopped. However, the need for entertainment was still in my blood. Um, and, you know, I knew crowd control from being on stage as a wrestler and as a musician. And, you know, I'm, I was just a, you know, a quirky, funny guy. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give comedy a shot. So I spent about three years just doing nothing but writing. Wow. Writing, 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 writing. And then um, last year, I decided I'm going to start doing some open mics. And I started doing some open mics and started doing some things here and there. And then COVID hit. And I was like, right before then, I was when I started the show. And I was like, you know what? If, if I can't go do comedy, I'm going to make this show the best damn thing ever. And so that's pretty much all I've done is this. And, you know, I'm still writing and I'm still wanting to go back out there. But it's like, I love what I'm doing now. Yeah. This is this is this is everything. I mean, I get to talk to really cool people. I get to promote really cool products. I get to, you know, talk to, you know, and, you know, network with people I never even imagined I would ever meet. And it just it's it's the life that I've always wanted without even realizing this is what I wanted. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. really cool. I think you know, I think I think comedy is one of those things where it's, it's such a difficult path. And I think it's so rewarding in every single phase of that path. So I'm not a comedian. I, I uh, you know, obviously have, have the job that I'm, I, I have, but I love comedy. So I've done a bunch of open mics, love going up, love working through material. And in fact, when I'm on the road, I'll go wherever I'm at, go into the local open mic and usually bomb. But I, I, I give it my all. And I find that, the day after you bomb, you kind of are just like, well, nothing's going to be as bad as that. So yep. bring it on, big meeting. What? You're going to reject me? That's okay. I was up in front of 100 people all shouting at me. You know, and, it, and I've actually even encouraged the staff here, you know, think of funny thoughts, explore those funny thoughts, go up, tell the story. Don't, you know, don't worry. Maybe they'll like you. Maybe they won't like you. And, you know, that's okay. The one of the weirdest, the, the most recent experience, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're doing a big promotion for Nordstrom. And I'm like, all right, you know, I know, I know that that's happening. I'm, I'm with, uh, with the coworker. We're, we're having some fun. And, and we decide, well, let's go to the open mic and we'll go up and get up on stage. And I knew I was in trouble because I'm following a guy dressed as a wizard who was a local. So we had fans in the audience. And, uh, and, and they put me like at, almost at the end of the bill. Like it was like, you know, after the the peak and people start sort of trickling out so i was like okay I'm, i know that i'm in trouble and i i get up and i do the jokes that i had thought of the, the day before and like in the gym in scottsdale which we're, we're all like you know kind of hacky but kind of fun observations whatever they were fight breaks out these two these two girls get into a fight in the audience and there's like show cans like no one can you know i'm up there i'm trying, trying to talk over them there's no security because it's just an open open mic thing and then one of the girls leaves and she's like yelling at the other person. I can't like compete with that with the thing. So I leave. And I was like pretty dejected. And then someone comes up and they're like, man, you were doing pretty good until that fight broke out. And I was like, that's open micing. That's okay. That's all I needed. Just one person to be like, yeah, this is okay. It was such a great experience. And I, 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 I love that. And I, 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 uh, I'm always curious and a little jealous of people that have made the leap 
to start pursuing comedy on a more serious basis. And I think that it's really cool what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not you know out there doing anything right now, obviously. Um, because I mean this this show consumes every minute of every day for wow. me. Um, oh, it, it does. I mean, I usually start my day about noon, okay. and then it goes until about two o'clock every morning. Wow. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we end it here, I gotta download it. I gotta edit it real quick. Throw it up on the podcast site. Then I got to go and, you know, make sure all the hashtags are right. If they're not working, go ahead and switch them around real quick and then do this yeah. and then make a quick little edit video if I chose choose so and then do this and then start looking up guests for the, mo- the next week and then follow. It's just a constant wow. rigmarole. Yeah. And then making sure I post, you know, on Instagram or Twitter at the right times, making sure that I'm looking at every single hashtag that's trending and not using those and using ones that are, you know, instead of using ones that are 500,000 or a million, you know, hits that day, hitting ones that are 20,000 or 25,000, you know, because that's where you get your money. And that's what a lot lot of people think, oh, this is trending right now. I'm going to go ahead and post with this hashtag. No, you're going to get overlooked. and. It's one of those things that's just like a constant, you know, I constantly test, you know, different posts and yeah. see what works. You know, let, uh, if it's a video, it always gets more hits than a picture. If it's more than a minute, you know, and one second, you know, one of the things that people don't understand about, you know, especially for wannabe influencers or people who actually want to be an influencer. If you don't have 10,000 people or more on your Instagram, you cannot use a swipe up function right. in, your, in your story. However... If you make a video that's one minute and one second long and post it to IGTV, which is still on Instagram, you can always you can put a link in that description and it will be a clickable link. So using those when you don't have the option of swiping up is always the option. But I don't I don't see anybody doing that. And it's like that's just genius. You know, I have I put out one earlier today for a brand and the click rate on it is ridiculous. It's like, okay, cool. You know, and you know, it's just one of those things, you know. And I love the analytical side. So I've taken my finance side and I've turned it into, uh, you know, an analytical, it's still numbers. It's still, it's all that same stuff, but it's, it's for hits and clicks and, you know, you know, engagement and reach and da, 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 da. I love it. Love it. Yeah. And I, you know, Instagram is such a beast because there, it's always changing. There's so much competition out there. They, you know, are, are, are always changing the algorithm. You hear a lot of, a lot of people talking about the algorithm. It, it, to me anyway, feels like it's harder and harder to get discovered uh, outside of your network, unless you're paying the dollars to, to advertise and get sponsored posts out there. But even that sponsored posts don't really get the engagement that you want them to. They're not really worth it. Don't overcharge me, Instagram. We still love you, but it's, it's really, I, I think, it, I think it's, I think it's a very difficult, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult uh, course to play because it is always changing. So have you over the last year when you've been when you've been building this out, like how have you contended with the changing algorithm or is it just kind of developing niche strategies on like a one off basis? It's not so much a one off basis. It's a multiple day to day basis. Wow. So like if I if I notice a dip in, you know, followers so like this week I'm down 0.7. So tonight, I, you know, I look at it usually on every Wednesday. Um, I don't know why I chose Wednesday, but Wednesday's the day I usually look at it. Um, 
And I can go in there, I can look at every single post and see what the engagement is. And I can see where, okay, so on this day I posted this. This is the day I had the biggest dip. Okay, this is the hashtags I used. This is what I had that day. And kind of start putting two and two together and then say, okay, never do this again. Now I'm going to go ahead and repost this with different hashtags, maybe a different picture, maybe a video this time, and just constantly rotating in things in and out. So. The algorithm constantly changing. You know, you can beat the algorithm if you're constantly looking at it. No, I just constantly look at what my posts are doing versus what other people's posts are doing. And I, I constantly looking at what's trending and looking at what's in my, you know, genre, whether it be comedy, whether it be podcast, whether it be, you know, today, you know, I use beauty hashtags for this, you know, thing yeah. and it worked out really well. So it's like, you know, adjusting it. If you have, you know, some people have canned hashtags that they just post on everything, every single post, you're going to get shadow banned for that. Oh, yeah. Because if you use the same hashtag over and over and over again, you're going to get shadow banned. And then people will go, what's being shadow banned? Oh, you don't know what shadow banning is. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, but how do you avoid that? And I, you know, there's so much goes into it. And like I said, I just, I I just analyze every little thing and it's just, it, it's so much fun. Well, and I think I think you're right. I, I think that you really have to have to do more than just be um, so tied into the algorithm that, that that it takes away from the personality of the page of the person. I think you have to you have to look at ways of maximizing what you're doing. Like you know, today's a, a beauty day, so we're, we're we're talking about beauty, and and, uh, and we can we actually we can dive a little deeper into that if if, if, if that's where where we think we, we should go, but. You know, I love how dedicated the beauty audience is. And that's been very liberating for us because in a sense, there's so much love for the Luxie brand and, and and our Luxie family that we get a lot of privileges to really be our authentic selves. And I think that that's kind of where you create that magical combination to actually go viral and, and, to, and to really bring people to the brand. And and that's that's been pretty exciting for us. We've had a few of those of those moments. Do you do you ever do you ever see that on on your side? Oh yeah, I mean I've seen you know you know interviews that I've posted because um, everything I do is live, um, yeah. with the exceptional thing here and there. But I'll see you know interviews that I don't expect to have you know huge amount of engagement for video now my my podcast engagement is usually right around thirty thousand per day so about six hundred thousand per month um but my youtube and my periscope and my facebook watch feeds vary i get more hits off of facebook watch and facebook live than i do off of youtube and periscope um and then my youtube views is about equal to my periscope views but sometimes you know if i if the if the person I have is verified or has a huge following on Twitter, and I make sure I tag them, like I tagged Luxie in this on Twitter for, in Periscope for Twitter, you know, now it's going to be attached to Luxie. Therefore, I know where it's going to get the most views. So I bet you a dollar. At the end of the day, you know, I'm going to go to uh, Twitter and I'll see that this this video has way more views than it does on YouTube. And I'm able to track it that way and really figure it out why. And, and the, the truth of the matter is I love going live and I love being able to have people comment live and, you know, watch our faces and the laughs that we have and stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is this format is not made for YouTube. Right. 
It's not because I do hour long plus long interviews and the average YouTube watcher is on phone and watches for uh, videos that are less than five to 10, you know, five to 10 minutes and then they move on. Um, So, you know, this format is not the greatest for that. Yeah. So I pan, I cater everything to the podcast, but at the same time I still give them you know, at, at you know the viewer at home, something to watch. That's why I have that really nice long intro with the music video from the band yeah. that I promote every day, and I do my little quirky little countdown and you know all this other stuff, and it's all incorporated together. And you know, I have the really cool overlays, and I have the the rotating you know animated background right now. I do all this stuff for that, but at the same time, the the content is made for the podcaster. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, nope. <clears throat> what about TikTok? So has TikTok kind of come into the world, into your world yet? Are you looking at that? Um, I don't particularly like using TikTok. Why? Why? Why is that? Um, for me and what I do, you know, as far as now, if I was just going to go on there to promote my comedy be a completely different story um but right now i'm not doing that i'm I'm focused strictly on this so you know doing that on tiktok again is is not the right format for it now if i'm going to go on there you know specifically to promote something or to you know highlight something or again to just do jokes and you know start selling a you know a, a tour that i might be doing might be a little bit different yeah because i mean i i don't you because like if someone like me who's in my you know almost 40 years old um, and my demographic is, you know, 25 to 45, right in there is what makes up 65% of my audience. Right. You know, if I'm not going on the TikTok for, you know, anything other than I go on there strictly just for cosplay. Right. Which again, you know, falls into the beauty side, but I go on there just to watch cosplay because I think cosplay is cool as shit, you know, and to see what they do. I don't go on there for anything else. So I, I don't use it for anything else other than that so i don't i'm not really a big tiktok guy it's really interesting i mean i i don't really i'm not like a big social media person just kind of in and of that like the industry is sort of built around it so it's been so fun learning about all these different platforms so like tiktok to me is like amazing because people that are virtually unknown amass these giant followings so quickly and it's not a, a, a chronological algorithm, so it lets uh, people discover things really easily when you start putting videos out there. And and we've seen some people that are like, kind of like marginally famous, barely to the swipe up level, that have now have you know four or five hundred thousand followers on TikTok, and 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 we're blown away by that because we're like, that totally went under our radar. Like we're not even seeing that on Instagram. How are these people getting so big? And then Instagram, you know, for all the, the, the issues and sort of strife that Instagram can cause and, and, and changes in the algorithm and as much as people kind of um, complain about, about that platform, it still is such a great platform. It still lets people engage in so many different ways. And, and I think people really feel like they're building a relationship with the people that they follow. And that's, I yeah. think that's so cool. Um, yeah. And the other I mean, one, I know... You know, I, I know everybody that, you know, if I post something, I know within the first 15 minutes of exactly who's going to like my post, um, you know, I, I on my Instagram. For me, Instagram is number one, Facebook is number two, and then Twitter is number three um, for me. Um, 
because I get more interactions on my my Periscope, you know, videos than I do actually my tweets, um, which is fine because it, yeah. it's a it's completely polar opposite. People actually watch my videos on, on uh, Twitter, but they don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, it's it's all about knowing what that audience is and knowing where exactly where to go. And Instagram might be confusing, but if once you've cracked it and you're knowing exactly when to look and now you have to take time and you know spend an hour or two looking at every single bit of data um and then know where to go and where to look and find out why this you know hashtag doesn't work but this one does and oh i've used this five times this week don't use that anymore you know so on and so forth it's just one of those things you just constantly have to look at and you know that's why you know i've grown from you know a thousand listens per day barely Back in May to now thirty thousand in, you know, in now going into October first. Wow! That's you know, yeah. Thank you. So, I mean, from, awesome. from going from barely you know twenty thousand listens a month to six hundred thousand in four months, five months is on yeah. is unreal, and it's all because of the way I do things. And yeah. you know, it, it's 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 pretty fun. I I love watching those numbers come in. Yeah, that that must that must feel really good to kind of see those successes. We uh, we recently had our Instagram account verified, which uh, was was absolutely amazing for us. Um, shout out to uh, to our, our 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 amazing social media team and our uh, our our agency and PR groups that have made this happen. LAFM, P2R, it's just been incredible, and it um, it really felt like I did something when I saw the blue hashtag, even though I had nothing to do with pretty much the entire thing. But it was like, you know, you talk about that intimate feeling of like, you know, when you see those numbers come back or whatever, and it just was like, ah, oh, look what we did. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, that's, that's the whole problem with social media, right? It gives you that false sense of dopamine that you're actually doing yeah. something that's not and whatever. I felt so dumb to fall victim to that, but at the same time it was a, it, it felt like it was such a, a pivotal moment for the brand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, once you get to that point, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I just haven't applied for a you know a Instagram you know yeah. uh, check mark yet. I, don't, I mean, I don't see the the point of it right now. Um, once I get bigger, then yes. But nobody's out there trying to copy me right now, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, yeah. Once I start seeing fake accounts, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's now it's time. Yeah. But until then, it's like I'm, what I'm doing is working, so I'm just gonna kind of let it ride. Um, yeah. But again, it's it's. It is though, you know, it is satisfying because again, it yeah. kind of gives you that that feeling of you know what you're doing is working. There is an engagement piece in there, and there's no way that uh, you know that high can't be you know good because again, it's you're doing something that people are connecting with, and especially when you see across you know, you know, ninety percent of my listeners and viewers come from America. But I've got like three percent in Canada, three percent in you know Ireland and Australia, and it's like, okay, I have three percent of my people. <laughs> that's you know that's a good chunk of you know the people. It's like okay, that's nine thousand yeah. people. That's pretty freaking good. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's really cool. I mean, and it shows how global this could be. Like if you you know if you if you keep building this and and it, it keeps growing the way that you are, even if the percentages don't change, it's a pretty significant group in in the UK. In yeah. Canada, in Australia, and and you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe when this whole thing, uh, you know, the COVID restrictions can ease off, and 
you're back out there doing comedy. This could, this could, you know, I'm sure people would love to see a live, a live podcast. Sometimes that, that's cool. Bring this, this format, the live interaction in front of people and, and let them, let them see it firsthand. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I've, I, I've completely fell in love with this platform and, you know, doing this, it's, it's, I, I want to do nothing more in the world. Um, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to, helping brands, helping bands, helping small actors and actresses, or, you know, helping small artists, you know, grow a platform, you know, that right there is, you know, is priceless to me. Um, because I'm all about helping everybody else, you know, um, you know, for example, you know, when I, when your email came through, um, from the, you know, PR people, you know, for have you on the show, I'm like, most people will be like, hey, wait a second. Okay, it's a makeup guy, a CEO yeah. of a makeup guy. I'm a comedian. I tell jokes. You know, um, I talk about mental health a lot. You know, you know, I make dirty jokes sometimes. I go off about political shit. What the hell am I going to talk to a beauty guy about for an yeah. hour? You know, but that's not me. I don't say that. It's like, okay, cool. I get to talk to somebody completely different that I normally don't get to talk to for an hour. What can we talk about? And then the first thing that goes to my mind is, okay, you know what? Retail, you know, retail, talk to them about retail. Oh, you know, finance, talk to them about finance. You know, that's it. And that's my whole research is in my brain, not like, oh, let's go ahead and look on the internet and see what I can talk to them about yeah. today. No, talking about what, you, what you're passionate about, talking about this. And it's now been an hour and we can still continue yeah. to go. I know. And that's how I view things. So, you know, everybody has a story to tell and it's my job to be the megaphone to tell your story. Yeah. Well, and, and the fact that you're coming at it with an authentic voice, I mean, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff in the press and whenever somebody's just like, oh, well, let me just Google this or do that. It's like, we can get into slotting fees. I can ask a question. I see your eyes light up when you talk about, you know, understanding retail finance and, 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 and what that means and how it affects. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a valuable conversation. And it's like, I, I think that it's so few and far between that there are podcasts that actually dig into authentic conversations. Like, I'm, you didn't prep for this. I didn't prep for this. We're just talking, you know, sometimes it's kind of scary because I'm, I'm, I'm such a makeup junkie and beauty enthusiast. That's totally living outside of the stereotypical mold of what that means, you know, in this day and age, because, you know, I also go to the gym every day at 5:30 AM and put on my boxing gloves and beat the heck out of whoever's standing across from me. And sometimes I get beat up too. So that's, but that's, that's not your typical beauty guy. And, and, you know, I love it because I love, I love, I love using my body. I love feeling good. I love getting to the gym. I love, I love all of that. And uh, it's, it's fun to just being able to talk about it, you know, and, and being able to just kind of chat. So, yeah. Well, especially cause like when I was, you know, just making the, uh, the YouTube description for this video, you know, I had to do a little bit of research to make sure I put the proper things in the de- in the details of the description. You know, I googled your name with Luxie, you know, beauty, and you know, obviously Luxie came up, and then your you know your Instagram came up, and your I your your uh, LinkedIn came up, but then like five different news articles that you did from different magazines came up, and I looked at every single one of them, and they were all the exact same questions and the exact same answers. It's like, yeah. why do a sixth one exactly right. like that? Right. It, if you go go read the article that's posted online already, I, I, I'm not going to hear talk to you about that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know, exactly. And and, and I think that's great. You know, it's it's weird to live in a day and age 
where not doing your homework is actually better than doing your homework because you get mm -hmm. more of a real connection where you can you can you know ask the tough questions, ask the easy questions, ask whatever. You know, I mean, it's um, it's something where. I don't know. It's it, it's really nice. So I I think it's great this platform. I, I think it's also great that you're using this platform to help people like us, like our brand. You know that that we can that we can get this kind of support and and maybe reach some new some new listeners. And you know, I mean, I think I think one of the things is is like as we build our global community. Like I'm the perfect example of somebody who can be a makeup fan and a makeup enthusiast, and I I don't wear makeup. And I'm not your typical person, um, but I've, I've I've learned how to appreciate it in my position as, as CEO of this company, which is pretty pretty weird. You know, it's been a weird journey. Like I had to I had to take makeup classes to actually learn how to do all this, of like course, yeah. contouring, highlighting, all of that stuff. And it's like that's that's kind of you know not a normal thing. People look at that. I go to the I go to the place to, to, to learn and, you know, it's at a strip mall and it's, it's, it's this makeup school and they're just like, are you waiting for someone? I'm like, no, I'm a student. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, because the thing about it is, yes, Luxie's cool. Yes, it's all vegan. Yes, it, it's innovative and there's cool things going on behind it. It's about giving back. You know, there's tons of cool stuff going on. You guys give back to charity and so on and so forth. But that's all great. But we've we've heard that same song and dance before, right. and obviously we can you know. But what else is there to it? You know, most of the time, you know, you can look at a CEO of a company and go like, okay, that's a cool ass CEO who does a really cool fucking job. Like, look at Elon Musk. You yeah. know, I want to buy his cars just because he's a badass. Yeah. You know, so I mean, like, you know, it's it's a highlight of you when I bring you on. Yeah, we can talk about your brand all day long, but who are you? Because that's that's you're the 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 brains and the and the brawn of it all you're the one who's smart enough to say wait a second i don't know shit about makeup let me hire somebody who does and let's figure this out together as a team and yeah. that's what people want to know about not you know the same things they can find out online well and it's interesting too because like you know it it, it it's weird how transparent you have to be in, in in this day and age because people smell bullshit a mile away and i knew oh, yeah. I had to I had to do two things. I had to legit know beauty and I had to legit love beauty. And that's what brought me into this role. You know, when I when I started at Luxie before I became CEO, I was more of a finance guy, kind of a uh, helping the, the founder, Cammy, who was developing the product. And uh, and I fell in love with beauty and then I got invited on board and then it was like, oh shit, now I'm now I gotta know. Let's let's talk contour, let's talk highlighting, let's talk about let's yeah. talk about our looks, let's talk about blending, let's talk about all that. And then and then diving more on the on the skincare side and the makeup side, which is pretty fucking high level. Like that's that's into a different realm. Like I got the tools covered and I've got product that I like and product that I don't like, but like, you know, I'm so impressed by the artistry and like you see it like when when you're checking out the cosplay and some of the stuff that people are doing to like create these characters or like crazy faces that look like offset because of the shadowing it's oh my like God. so nuts i'm like yeah. they're using brushes and makeup that you can buy at the local store to do that like that is such crazy artistry and like the yeah. fact that we can help them by making those tools that give those professional looks holy shit that's so cool I'm yeah like, absolutely and you said, and you mentioned something earlier in the um, in the conversation that um, kind of sparked my interest because, you know, 
not a lot of people think like this, and I, I do. When it comes to makeup and, you know, the situation that we have right now when it comes to uh, the fact that a lot of people are wearing masks. Yep. When I look at a woman, I am one of the odd ones that doesn't look at their chest, doesn't look at their ass first. The first right. thing I notice about any woman ever is their eyes. Yep. And... I don't know why I just I have an obsession with eyes because it's like they're yeah. just they can pop in ways that make you go holy shit that yeah. woman is gorgeous I mean being hot and gorgeous comes down to eyes for me and yeah. um and so like when you're saying that now it's like okay great they can be covered up in a mask because the thing about it is their lips and their shading on their cheeks and everything it doesn't matter to me how do those eyes look yeah. and you know it's the coloring of the eyes you know the way they make their eyeshadow match their you know their um eye color in order to make a pop and stuff like that that right there is real beauty and i so i mean you're saying it, it can be a bad thing but from like my perspective it's all about the eyes. So well, and let I them think, wear a mask. You know, I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, as much as the mask may be bad for the for the for the makeup market, I mean, no one's buying lip gloss and contouring and whatnot changes. The eyes really do have it. And right now, I mean, they kind of bring in a few other things. Hashtag Euphoria, which is one of the biggest trending movies, has totally changed our industry or not movies, HBO shows. It's yeah. brought in these wild orange eyeshadow, blue, smoked out eyes, crystal embellishments, all this cool, crazy stuff. And it's so weird that that program, which started last year and continues into this year with Zendaya winning big at the Emmys. Yeah, it, it was a good show. It's so weird that that is happening while this mask situation is going on. Because it's like, there's the, there's the playbook. And like you said, eyes are so breathtaking because they really do express, I mean, they are the windows to the soul. They do express your 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 inner um, kind of like your your inner thoughts, and and we're so tuned to understand whether somebody's telling the truth or whether somebody's bullshitting by how their eyes look, where they look, what they're doing, you know, and and that's that can be augmented in such a, a pivotal way with the right look and the right makeup, and it really allows people to change their whole personality with the with with different eye looks. It's yeah. it's amazing, and like I think that the role of makeup will become more and more uh, sort of powerful as less and less of people are exposed. I mean, we're going into winter time, right? So the coats are coming out, the, the masks are staying on, scarves, hats, earmuffs, the whole nine yards. And we're going to be kind of in that area where now we have to kind of look at people and, and understand their eyes and, and what they're trying to say. And, and eyes make such an impact. It's such a great way of self-expression. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I obviously can go on about eye looks all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good eye. Um, like oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a great show. I don't know about those eye looks. Yeah. I, I, like, I said, I, I'm, like I said, I'm an eye guy. I, I really am. Um, yeah. So that, the mask thing don't bother me right now. If I see a girl with beautiful eyes, I'm staring. Yeah. Then I'm getting I'm getting punched in the face by my wife, but damn it, I'm staring. <laughs> it's okay, she's not here right now. She can't listen. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, so I'm kind of curious. Um, so we haven't talked about this yet. You went from 
you know, tech and finance to this. How the hell did that happen? Uh, well, I, I, uh, I'm really not good at tech. So that was, that was, you know, I think the, that the right industry does eventually find you eventually. Um, and my, my tech days and, and, and working as, as an investor and, and as part of investment funds into tech, I picked all the wrong stuff. I, I, I was the guy that passed on Uber. I, was, I just didn't understand how quickly technology was changing things. And it all seemed like bullshit to me. You can't see it. You can't touch it. It's just, it, it was such a difficult way to make an assessment. And I'm not an engineer, so I didn't really understand any of the stuff in, on the back end. And so I just I, I, I found myself going into things where can you can you can you really is it a real thing? And I've kind of found my niche with manufacturing and transportation because trains make sense, you know, it, unless the laws of physics change, everything yeah. kind of makes sense there. And uh, and 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 after after doing that for some time, I. Um, you know, took away from the from the business, started, you know, hanging out in Mexico, sailing around, doing some traveling. And uh, and I knew the only thing that would kind of bring me back would be something that you could see, feel, touch and 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 really create. And uh, and and that's what I found in beauty. And that's what started the journey. And, you know, beauty as a consumer product, it's like, OK, whatever. There's a lot of consumer products out there. But the power of the, the transformation is what really got me. And yeah. so when you start looking at like, you know, and it's hard to explain because it sounds so rah, rah, rah and kind of bullshit and whatever. But like for me on a personal level, it really impacted me how you can change somebody's day by just putting the, some makeup on. How how women that are at the, the local women's shelter that have come through abuse that have not been kind of in the, in the in, 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 in treated the best and, and now are in the, such a horrible situation are, you know, the, the social security. Uh, services are so focused on just here's here's three square meals and a bed and this and that and and you know job interviews and whatnot. We're able to come in and give them makeup brushes and totally change their day, change their month, and 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 really offer them a sense of empowerment. And that's what brought me to the dance. You know that was the that was the thing. We can really make good happen. And that was that was like like and it, and it's not contrived and it's not like you know for you know, for every car you buy, we'll donate this, this, and this. It's like the, the products themselves are transformative. And so even someone that is is maybe buying our product with no intention of doing anything other than looking good, they're going to wake up one day, maybe they're not feeling their best, and they're going to transform themselves, and they will feel good, and they will they will be able to express themselves. And that's exciting. That's cool. That's It's cool to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm all about giving back. I, I really am. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, you know, was really kind of looking forward to talking to you about because the giving back thing is for me is actually, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, and, you know, when it's time to work with sponsors or, you know, products that I need to promote, it's not just about, okay, yeah, they're going to pay me to, you know, to promote their product. Great. Okay, cool. Why should I? Right. Um, I'm a mental health guy. Uh, I'm a comedian. I, you know, I, I like all these different things. But in, at the end of the day, if it's not giving back and it's not serving a purpose, just to put money in my pocket, what the hell's the point? Um, you know, that's why I work with you know 
uh, BetterHelp, you know, the app for, you know, online therapy. Yeah, I work, I work with them all day long. You know, I just started working with a hand sanitizer company, you know, that wow. for every bottle they buy, you buy, they donate one. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, H21.com, H2ONE.com. Well, you know, they, you buy one, they donate one. Um, you know, these are the types of brands I like working with yeah. um, because that's what's important to me. And, yeah. you know, it's because, you know, especially when in this day and age, you know, there's more more people than ever in homeless shelters. Yeah. There's more people than ever that are just needing that extra help and that extra boost. And anything that, you know, these big companies or small companies can do, you know, more power to them. And, you know, yeah. if they're out there making a genuine impact and, you know, I, I want to work with them. Yeah. Well, and, and we're absolutely, uh, you know, I, I think that for us, the the catalyst for doing all of this really comes from wanting to protect the earth protect the environment and protect some of the animals that, that live on this earth that are pretty neat and uh you know that that led to our partnership with um the world wildlife fund and and helping them out and then uh, that's created a lot of great opportunities for us we're starting to open the door to more charities that we're bringing on so that we can actually empower our, our consumers to make different donations through our platform, which we're really excited about. That's coming out in January of next year. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very weird time where I think it's difficult for us, you know, as a brand, we're, we're, we're trying to use our platform for what's best. We're trying to create initiatives that are really going to give back and like, you know, removing plastic from the waterways is a big deal. That's something that's really near and dear to my heart. Protecting endangered species and and then also protecting these ecosystems that are that are at risk. That's that's a huge thing. And lately, we've seen more and more of sort of these um, these, these these different kind of issues crop up more domestically and we don't want to make a judgment on what the best charity is for this or that or whatever. So we've found a platform that will really allow the people that are doing the shopping to guide our, our, our donations. And, and we think that that's going to really, really do, do wonders because it, it'll allow people not only to, to purchase a product and express themselves with our product, but also to, to really lend their voice to, to what kind of charities make sense right now. So we're excited about that. That's, yeah. That's cool. So speaking of which, so my time, we are approximately two Ooh. hours and 40 minutes away from midnight, which means we are two hours and 40 out minutes away from October 1st, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, wow. So um, being that you're obviously your, your biggest clientele is, you know, females, you know, are you guys doing anything for Breast Cancer Awareness Month? Absolutely. So we, we actually partnered way back in uh, 2017 with the, the American Cancer uh, society, I, I, the American Cancer Association, society. Anyway, the American one Cancer, or two, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, way back in 2017, so little little brain fog. fog. It is almost midnight, but uh, I guess not not West Coast. So I don't really not for know. you, but for me, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that's that's something that's really important. So so we're going to be profiling different different stories that have that that have made an impact on people. We'll probably be doing something to, to 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 empower certain people that that have been touched with cancer. You know, cancer is one of those things that is so um, 
so far reaching and and pretty much everybody at this point has been touched by it in some way. And breast cancer is something that can be avoided with early detection and with self-examination. So that's something that we really want to try to promote this month and uh, and and set set that up so that our our consumer base, the, the women in our lives that that you know our our friends, family and and community can can take that and run with it. So it's I think it's a great time to remind people like hey stay healthy. You know, yeah, I mean breast cancer is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, you know my grandmother had it. Um, my aunt had it. Um, last year my wife and I went through a scare. Um, right now, you know, my best friend is going through a scare. She's I got her mammogram next week. She's got you know, she found something um, you know, so it's affected me, you know, multiple different ways. And it's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I always promote something on the show and, you know, that's something I'm going to be pushing hard this month. Well, so what, what's something cool that we should, that we should do to support this? Because I, I think one of the things that we're struggling with as, as a brand that is active in so many charities is we don't want it to feel contrived or corporate-y. We want it to be authentic. So... Breast well, cancer is a big deal for me as well. I've I've lost a lot of loved ones through the family. In fact, cancer in general has taken its toll, yeah. and it's important to do. But how do we how do we do it so it's cool? How do we do it so it's real? Okay, so the big one, which I do not support in any which way, shape, or form, and I I will constantly demean them to the day I die, is Susan G. Komen. Do not support Susan okay. G. Komen. Because when you have a CEO of a company that's a charity supposed to be going towards breast cancer research and the CEO makes more money in a year than they donate to, to funding of cancer research, that's a problem for no me. No way. So, so, they, so, so what portion of what's donated actually goes to the research? <sighs> um, I'd have to look it up again, but I found it and it was astonishing. Wow. Um, it, it nearly broke my heart when I saw that, yeah. um, like the CEO makes like five plus million dollars a year plus bonuses wow. and they're not even donating that much. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, wow. it's ridiculous. Um, but wow. there's like, um, a company out there, um, and you said, what's cool. There is a charity out there called rock pink, rock pink, rock pink is a good one. Um, they're all about, you know, they they give out more than they take in. I mean, they they do a lot of good things for the community. Um, I discovered them a long time ago through um, they were at a lot of different rock concerts and you know just concerts in general. You know you know making awareness right. all year long, not just during October. And right. you know they're all about that support and you know that stuff like that. And they just did a lot of cool stuff. And it was the it was the cool. I don't want to say that, but you know what I'm saying. It was it was that one that was really stand out because they cared and they did stuff that other companies weren't doing by getting into concerts and you know festivals and this and that and this and that and really promoting something that really needed to be promoting. So I suggest you know Rock Pink. That's cool. Okay, Rock Pink. That's yours. I like the rock and roll thing. I like that they've kind of been out there. I like that it's the music scene. I think you know the the, the biggest thing for me will probably be just us. What if, what if we just share sort of the intimate stories of people that have been impacted by breast cancer throughout the month? In that's, addition another, to, that's another one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. 
And if you want a real powerhouse of a of an influencer slash you know real powerhouse of a you know community raiser, you, you've got me on your side. There you go. All right, Derek, you're 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 my guy. We'll, we'll make this happen. But yeah, but I think this is cool because I, you know it's like it's one thing to say, yeah, we've we've identified this as an event in our marketing calendar, but it's another thing to say, like, okay, how can we get behind this? Like, this is going to be a big thing. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing that's the identifier. It's yeah. not being using it as a marketing campaign, which so many fucking companies do, yeah. Yeah. and using it as actual awareness yeah. because you know. You know, when I had to deal with my aunt getting a double mastectomy or my grandmother doing the same thing, um, or was it two years ago when my aunt got the, you know, the double mastectomy, my whole entire family on my, you know, my mom's side went and got tested to make sure they didn't have that gene, you know, that right there, you know, waiting for my daughter's results of an 18 year old or 17 or 16 years old at the time, waiting for the results of that gene, you know, blood test was, was crazy for me. And luckily, she doesn't have it. Hold on, this this dumb question. There's a gene that that predetermines the the probability of uh, breast cancer. It's a higher probability. Uh, So you can still get breast cancer other ways, but there's actually a a gene. I think it's called the Brachis Bracken Brachis or Bracken gene that um will you know basically you know, that can say whether or not you're gonna have you know you're gonna get it or wow. not now again there's other things as well so if, even if you don't have that gene then you could still get it but yeah it's a higher likelihood of you having it if you have that gene wow how how much higher is it like twice as likely or is it like do you know babe? what's the uh, percentage of people that have it that have a higher chance of getting it do you know what the percentage is Nah, we don't know. I have to look it up. <laughs> Let me see. I'll, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of curious now because I didn't yeah. know. Um, um da, 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 breast cancer gene. All right, so it's a mutated gene that you cannot change. Let's see here. I'm on the American Cancer Society website right now. It says... So, um, if you have that gene, you have a 7 in 10 chance of getting it. 70% chance of getting it. Wow. That's pretty significant. That's a huge significance. Yeah. That's... Wow. That's crazy. That's interesting. Now, do they recommend broad testing for everybody, or is it just if there's a family history? Um, if there's a family history, then they do suggest getting it done. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's interesting. I think I'd want to get it. I, I think I'd want to get that DNA test if I. If yeah, I, and, and the thing about it is, it's not just women too. Men can get it too. Yeah. So I mean, men can have that gene and still have that seventy percent chance of getting it. So I mean, it, it's 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 not just you know, it's not just for women. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a scary thing. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, I I think you know how impacted families are by 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 so many people being exposed to this and the environmental conditions that kind of predispose you to 
any kind of cancer are just getting more and more ridiculous. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. Wow, huh? Yeah. I'm learning. I'm See? learning, man. So I told you, I'm your guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, it's it's six thirty on this end. I gotta I gotta jump. But no, that's is- fine. I was getting ready to close it out anyway because I usually go until nine thirty anyway. So. Um, Dude, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah. I really do appreciate yeah, it, um, and I definitely would love to talk to you more. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll reach out, um, or I'll reach out to you, and we'll we can talk some more because I would love to be able to do something with you because I think, uh, you know, awareness for all the different charities that you do needs to be spread, and I would love to yeah. be able to help spread that for you. Let's make it happen. Cool. Absolutely, all man. Right. You have a great rest of your day, and uh, hope to talk soon. You too. Thanks, Derek. I'll talk no to problem. you later. Thanks, Connor. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right, that was Connor Riley of Luxie Beauty. Very, very interesting conversation. We talked everything from beauty products to retail and innovations and tech and finance and influence and everything else like that. That's the type of shit I like to do on this show. Keep it fucking fresh. Yes, I love talking to musicians. Yes, I love talking to actresses and actors. But you know what? Talking other shit like that is what I do too. So you know what? Always keep it fresh in here because I want to make sure you guys have a reason to listen. You don't want to listen to the same fucking interview day in and day out, do you? No, hell, fuck no. So that's what I do. I'll bring you the freshness of the freshness because I am the prince of all that is awesome. Have a wonderful fucking hump day. Go hump some fucking brains out. Go do what you got to fucking do because it's hump day and that's what it's all about. It's hump, 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 hump. But anyway, I love you guys. Stay happy. Stay healthy, and as always, stay fucking heavy. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.